they're they're nipping at his legs. They are uh, they are definitely my attack dogs. You know, they'll they'll scare you away, but if you come in the house, they'll just pee all over themselves. So. <laughs> <laughs>
It's a well, mindset. For me, it was just like, hey, get me an audience and I'll do what I do. And then, uh, man, this must have been 12 years ago now. I, uh, I, wrote a, I wrote a trick up and sent it into Magic Magazine. And Josh Jay was the trick editor at the time. Yes. And he ended up writing back and his response was the first time one of my peers, someone I looked up to said, you're creative. And I was like 30 at this point, you know, 28, something like that. And it was something in the lines of, thank you so much for your submission. We love your creative take on this trick. And that was the first spark where I was like, my creative take? Wait a minute, hold on. And that was it. It was ear, earbuds is the trick. And earbuds is um, a playing card signed, lost in the deck. Somebody holds their headphone cord almost as a card stab. Mm-hmm. They stab it in the deck and the cord is fused in between the fibers of the card. I remember that actually. This, uh, yeah, this was this was a while back. But it was I the do. first thing I ever put out anywhere as far as magic, and uh, started in Magic Magazine. Then did a contest with Illusionist with that effect as being the contest effect, and got really bummed out because they didn't. I didn't win first, second, or third in the contests, and I was like, dude, without being, you know, um, without being egocentric my trick was one of the best, at least the best three. And uh, so I was really bummed out and I hadn't heard back from Magic Magazine at the time. So I was like, oh, well, screw creativity. Then that's not for me, you know, forget this. Mm-hmm. And within the span of a week, Magic Magazine and Josh wrote back and Illusionist wrote and said, hey, the only reason we didn't let you win is because we want to buy that trick. It's so good. And we oh, well, that's so, even better. That's that's like... um. The people who go on these singing shows like American Idol, and it's it's like the one who wins isn't as successful as the runner-up kind of thing. Sure, yeah. And so. it was, I mean, it was perfect. It, it was the start of me um, dipping my toe in this idea of creating my own magic. And then it, it just uh, took a life of its own, and, and I never looked back. Great. And it was just further, it was the social proof. It was the proof of, con- no, proof of concept that gave you the motivation to keep going. It was really more that social proof, exactly, which I think a lot of people lack is is the people in their network or peers they look up to saying, even your boss, right? It's very rare that if you're in a corporate world, your boss will come and say, hey, great job with your creativity today. I mean, they even have sections of these corporate offices that are called the creative department, right? It's your graphic designers, it's your marketing Mm -hmm. team. So if you're in finance, I'm not on creative department, so why should I think creatively? Whereas if your finance team thought creatively, who knows what could happen? So, you know, I think point. that, that note of being notif- um, noticed by your peers with your creative endeavors is something we lack from grade school on up. I agree completely. That is, that is part of uh, what motivated me. Like, uh, see, there's a lot, of t- a lot of people get into our art uh, and get into any art form, uh, just they, they want to have fun and make a living. And it doesn't matter, you know, just like I re- referenced with uh, Franz Harari in episode two, he said he doesn't want to be the, known as the guy singing someone else's songs. He wants to mm. sing his own songs. And, and I do the same thing. I got inspired years ago in that way because I enjoyed the, the recognition from my peers. I enjoyed people saying, oh, I've never seen a take on that before. Or where the heck did you learn that? Oh, I created it. Ah, so is it necessary? No, people can still uh, make money and, and put out good stuff. But it's, um, I think, another level of satisfaction. I that, couldn't uh, agree more. 
And, yes. and, you know, as entertainers, we're supposed to be truthful, right? With our performance in the sense, obviously we lie because we deceive by nature, but we're supposed to be at least passionate about what we're delivering. So yes. even if someone's singing a cover song, if they're really connecting with the song, you can tell. Yes. I don't think there's a better way to connect with your performance than if it's something that you developed from the ground up, right? It, it's the truest yes. version of yourself on stage, if you can do that. It's your baby. Yeah. Got it. Okay. And what was the reason why you made that earbud effect? Was there a clear-cut reason why, or was it just um, a happy accident, an experiment that you went, oh, this is really cool, or was there a, a reason why? I watched a DVD that, that gave me a principle I'd never heard of before, which was rubber cement, and I just didn't know the, the possibilities that were capable with it. And after watching that, that project, uh, it was a epiphany moment. I went, well, wait a minute, maybe this would work. And then I'm you know, tying, instead of having a spectator, I'm tying the headphone cords to the, uh, the door handle of my office. And you know, the first prototype I made of this thing worked. So I got very lucky because I can't imagine if it didn't, I might've just been, uh, you know, I'm right. I'm not creative, but the very first one worked. I grabbed my roommate, showed him, fooled him. And I was like, Whoa, this might actually be new. Did some research, found uh, nothing like it. And then it was just uh, that exciting feeling of, did I just invent something new? This is kind of neat. You got very lucky because usually, yeah, absolutely. as you know, with the creative process, usually it, it's at least five, six, seven, sometimes 10, sometimes even more than that. Prototypes that just go to the, the prototype graveyard, as I like to call it. You know, your <clears throat> pieces of plastic that end up in a heap on your table. You throw Unset. it out. Oh, you're gonna, you're gonna show something? <laughs> there, there you go. Right, so these are all, these are all, what what it takes to get to the end goal. But I, I save them all, right, and revisit them, and then you you know have them in little bins and go. Oh, that project went through this life cycle, and that's it, what that thing is right back there. Yep. There's a bunch of stuff just sitting in there. I go ah, let me come back to it later. And then you open and it you up. You will. Late. That's right. the beauty. When you come back later, it's like. Uh, actually just reading this by John Cleese. If you haven't read this, this is one of the best books on creativity I've ever read. Okay. A huge, huge part of this book is the break, taking the break and letting your mind do its thing naturally. Um, I mean, that's where most of the best stuff comes is you take a break from it, come back a week later and your brain does what it does, right? Subconsciously. Exactly right. Yep. Subconsciously solving problems. So, uh, based on, I, I, maybe you already answered this, my next question would be, what did you learn from making that headphone thing? Was it that, um, was it just more of a recognizing that you were more creative than you thought? Or um, I'll let you answer that. A bit of everything. The, the, you know, the recognizing I could create new magic, which was a barrier, because I'd been taught over and over, there's no new magic tricks. They're just iterations of the old. Um, so realizing I could create something new, and then after the pure um, recognition, it was, okay, now this isn't just something I think is cool. It's something that, that other people think is cool, that other magicians think is cool. And then I also learned the process of uh, putting a trick to the market, right? What does it actually take? Are you going to make any money off of it? Do you go to a big company? Do you do it independently? So I learned quite a lot, um, you know, everything from, from marketing to producing to filming a trailer. It was the first time I dipped my toe in any sort of online teaching of magic. So it taught me, you know, 
the skills I'm, I'm using today to have my own magic company, which is just cool. that one thing. Right. And you never yeah. thought it, it would go that far, but one level leads to the next, to the next, and you just keep building yeah. on all those skills. Okay. So that, then that was great. You answered it perfectly. So knowing what you know now, what would you wish you would have told your younger self earlier to prevent making the mistakes uh, that you had made in the past? Create more, consume less. Um, be less concerned about consumption of things, ideas, um, other people's stuff, and just create more, you know, and be okay with knowing you're going to fail a lot. But at the end of the day, the fulfillment you get from creating as opposed to consuming is night and day. And I wish I would have known that from, you know, fifth grade on. And it's so easy, right, to automatically fall in the consumer uh, mode. It's easy. It's just, it doesn't take brain power. It's just, oh, let's start searching on Google. Oh, what's out there? Or, oh, let's go to the, the magic shop. Let's see what's already there. Or let's just with anything, let's see what's already there and let's just take it. I mean, it, it takes but a second to press a button on Amazon to buy something or swipe your credit card, but it takes weeks, months, years of using your brain power to create stuff. And when you get to that end result, that is, yes, incredibly satisfying. And I have to remind myself all the time because sometimes I get lazy and I look at my things and I go, ah, I don't want to work on that today. But then when I start like working on it, once I hit that next milestone, I go, why, why didn't I jump into this sooner? Because it's so yeah. much more satisfying that way. And sometimes if you tried jumping in sooner when you weren't ready, it wouldn't have worked. So, you yeah. know, you have to find that balance. Um, and that's the biggest difficulty for me is finding that balance of, do I want to sit down and, and wrestle with this thing today or, you know, step away and come back. So, and then you, you add multiple projects on at the same time. And it's like, you know, the organ, a lot of creative minded people aren't very organized. So you're trying mm -hmm. to balance the two of these, these beasts. And, and that's mm -hmm. probably the biggest challenge I face these days. Yes. Yes. I, I think for, forcing the creative process is that sometimes it's good actually, because like when working, working with Paul Harris, um, there have been times where I told him, I said, like, I, I just can't keep up with your pace. It's just like out of control, you know, like how do you, and, and he said, sometimes you have to put the irons in the fire and just by putting a little more pressure, like put, he, he said, I, I take my ideas and I put them in a pressure cooker and see what happens. That's what I remember he said. And I said, but doesn't that like stress you out? And he said, yes, it does. But sometimes you need that pressure cooker or else it's the idea is just going to fall by the wayside. You're never going to make any progress with it. Sure. So on one hand, it, 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 yeah, it's like finding the balance. It can get really stressful. But on the other hand, that pressure can lead you to a breakthrough like, um, I'm sure you've had this, you know, you, you're, you're going to be appearing on a show or you have an upcoming corporate show or whatever, and you go, I want to have this end result. I want to make this thing, but um, the show is a week away or two weeks away. Let's see if I can get it in, in the time, nick of time. And uh, sometimes... Just last night. I mean, I'm doing a lecture for Penguin in about a week. And, yes. you know, I pretty much know what I want to do, but I was like, I want to open with something new, just something you know, card sleight of hand heavy and kind of get the hard stuff out of the way. And that, that procrastination of, Hey, I got a week left. I, you know, sat down and forced it last night, played for five hours and now have at least a very 
rough but solid outline of uh, of what I'll be doing. And so I'll refine it again tonight and the next day, and um, you know, kick off the lecture with something brand new out of necessity, right? It's like ah, a, okay, I make something so. I know I want it to be with cards and I know I want it to be heavy sleight of hand. So that's my starting point. And okay. 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 I, I look forward to seeing that for sure. And would this fall under the category? Because my next question, this might segue perfect. I was going to ask, tell us about something that you have recently made or recently created. And is that card routine that you're referring to something that you recently made? Uh, yeah, that, that is. Um, but so I showed you this bin. I'll show you something cool here. Okay. Um, this is something that will be coming out very soon. And so in my creative process, a lot of the times, the best stuff I invent is the stuff that I'm like, you know what, I need this, it doesn't exist. But I, I, there's a place in my strolling or my, my set for this. Mm -hmm. Yep. So there's a classic that I'm sure you know, which is card to box. Uh, it's been done a, a bunch of times by a bunch of really smart people. Tommy um, Wonder. Tommy Wonder's the, the originator, who, the god of, of magical inventing. And, you know, then John Kennedy's got it. And, um, David mm. Regal's got one. Just about everybody's touched on this. Yes. Um, so let me do this real quick. Oh, okay. We're going to do a camera switch and a, okay. So cool. these are all mistakes, right? One little thing off, one, one little thing right. Uh, okay. That, combined into this. So with what I needed for a card to box was that it fit in my pocket. So I used to use Kennedy's card box all the time. The problem was it was a little too big for me because through how it works, it has to be big enough, right? Sure, um, sure. I needed it to be smaller so I could stick it in my pocket. It didn't bulge out. I also needed to be able to switch this card quickly without having to do what you would need to do with some other ones. So, right. And don't, don't go uh, he too heavy into methods here. Yep. Um, okay. Yep. So this <laughs> came out from the, the need of what wasn't working to what I wanted it. I wanted it to be a fun routine where I could have someone say, have you ever pulled a fire alarm? So now I've got a card to box with a match on it. So we've got fire. I love fire, but they get this, feeling of pulling this fire alarm right so that the magic is happening that's cool them doing it and it's the same idea it's still card to box still card to impossible location but it eliminated some problems i had with the existing ones and then in that elimination process it built into there's three or four things that i didn't expect that were going to be in this and in the development i went wait a minute well i could do this with it i could do that with it so it was this elimination of problems to form what is now, you know, even five times better than I was hoping it would be when I started on it. So this will be out soon, uh, probably within the next month, month and a half. Um, and I'm really excited. It's, it's called In Case of Emergency. In Case of Emergency. You heard it first here on the Making Magic podcast. Adam is teasing you all just a little bit. That's very cool. And um, that is kind of, I think that's the ultimate way to create things by starting with a problem that you have. You have a problem with something and then it forces your mind to try to get to that solution rather than, um, I guess there's another way you can create stuff almost like as a sport, uh, which is almost like a version of brainstorming, just like how many different things, cool things can I come up with? But in your case, I would think that's the most practical way to go. You say, this is what I want. 
how do I get there and how can I make it my own? And thus you did. So that's- Sometimes it's prop based, something that exists. Sometimes, you know, quite honestly, I'll just say to my kids who are six and eight, I did this yesterday with my daughter and said, hey, you know what these are? They're AirPods. What would be the most magical thing you could imagine I would do with these? And without skipping a beat, she went, eat them. That's awesome. I mean, if I borrowed somebody's AirPods and, and chewed a big piece out of it, that would be a really cool trick. So, you know, also thinking that we are magicians and our minds are based around this. It's that old saying, you don't get into magic, it gets into you. And it really does. My, you're probably like me and you can't go through a grocery store without looking at stuff thinking magic. Yep. So why not ask regular people, yes. hey, what's magical to you? And then you've got a problem that you never thought about solving, right? It's like, how would I eat somebody's AirPods? Yes. So I like the mixture of both. I like that my own, I want this, but then also kind of there's the sky is the limit and just asking people for the most magical things they can think of. You'd be surprised what some, what some people say. Yes, yes, yes. And I, and I think as magicians, and not only with just the art of magic, I think in any industry, we can get too wrapped up in our own little box of limitations that we, we go, okay, so we know, we know all the tools that are involved with the magic and we've read all these books, so we know all these methods. And then we try to take those methods that we've already learned and try to piece them together to make something. But what we're missing out on is what you said, Sometimes you just ask a non-magician, or if you're an, you're an engineer, you ask a non-engineer, how, how would you solve this problem, or what ideas would you have? And you just go, really? Why the heck didn't I think of that? It's because they're on a totally different wavelength than you. They haven't um, been, um, they haven't uh, absorbed the dogma, per se, from exactly. their industry or their whatever, and so they're not they're just, there's no dogma, and especially children, you know, which is a really good point. Children, a, a child's mind, that's, uh, that's the way to go, having the child's mind. Paul said the same thing, because I've asked him about it. I said, like, how, how do you do this? How do you solve these problems on a regular? How do you come up with these weird ideas? And he said, I have a child, I literally approach everything I can with a child's mind. And I try to just push all my preconceptions out the door and just say see ya for a little while let me just look at this as if I'm looking at it for the first time and just yeah. appreciating every little nook and cranny rather than most people we're just um, we're used to things being the way they are and, and fitting the map inside of our head and so um, yeah sometimes the answer the solution can be right under our nose but we totally gloss over it because we're just too yeah. too trapped up in our and of course, there is the beautiful moments where God or whoever you believe in just comes down and drops one on you, you know, and the kind of woke up in the middle of the night, wait, does this work? And everything sort of works. But those are, are few and far between for sure. Very, very rare. That's why I keep a, a notebook handy, which I'm sure you do. I had, I don't have them super often, but I did have one a couple days ago and it was out of nowhere. I was, I was almost going to fall asleep. And I was like, oh, here's a great idea. For, and I just it's like wrote five pages. It's like, where the heck did that come from? I don't know. It's awesome. I'm glad I wrote it down. Yep, yep. One of the biggest things I tell people I, I either coach or if we do corporate events on speaking on creativity and innovation is that, you know, everyone in this room has had a million dollar idea, if not multiple, um, but yet you don't write them down. And it doesn't mean because you have the idea and write it down that it comes to fruition. But it's your starting point, and it's at least the way to grab that 
you know, what did you call it, a muse or whatever. I, I think the creative spark comes from not just internally, but something outside. And it's almost a disservice to yourself and society to not write these ideas down, you know? Yes. Um, they were given to you for a reason. There's a book called Big Magic by uh, the author of Eat, Love, Pray. And she talks a lot about the spiritual side of creativity. And mm. it's, almost, it's almost unfair for you to not flex your creative muscle when, when people are tickling you with it. And that all becomes practice. You write every single thing down. At, at some point, you get better at ideas. You get better at filtering out the ones that are garbage and the ones that you know, um, stand a chance. Uh, one thing I used to do for creativity besides magic was to Google the, the top 100 searched terms for how to. So if you, you can look and see how many people have Googled how to fix a faucet and there's a top hundred and that can change month to month, year to year, whatever. But if you're an inventor and not just an inventor of magic, but you want to invent a problem, a product, you want to solve somebody's problem. That's how you invent a product, right? Something yes. that serves a purpose. So if you now have the top hundred list of people's problems, again, you're now outside of your magic world, right? It may be how to fix a faucet. And you might do a little research and we bring something from the magic world and going, hey, uh, whatever, a thumb tip might work with that, whatever it may be, right? Something sure. we know as a magician. Yeah. That's a really cool way to get ideas outside of magic as well, where, again, when we're dead and gone, if you can invent something, the story of the guy who invented the choker, the D choker that saves kids' lives was out of, out of necessity. It had nothing to do with this. The D like, choker? Do you mean the defibrillator? <laughs> Thing. No, no, it's, a, it's called a D choker. It's the a D choker. Instead of the Heimlich, you can put this mask on and it sucks. Oh, food. I, I wasn't aware that there was a thing. Okay, now I know. All right. But his process, again, was, was out of trying to solve a problem. So he didn't mean to invent something that blew up and sold a bunch of units. He did it out of, hey, this isn't my field, but I need to solve this. That wasn't, yeah, his goal wasn't let me make a product to make millions. Right. And it's hard to make money with go, with going into it that uh, that way. Even in magic, I'm going to make a product to sell a whole bunch. People see right through that, man. You know, it's usually a, a subpar product that's oversold, overhyped, and people get pretty disappointed with. So yes, yes. And in the case with what you're doing there, uh, with with your inventions and things, it's it's very clear that you care about each thing that you're creating because it's mostly to solve some problems that you're having and you're like well what if I can come up with something better let's just see if it works for me boom I just did it now since it fits all that criteria then you have right there good proof of concept that it's something worth releasing to the magic community yeah and you know not every invention when you work at a big company sometimes it is pop it up get it out there you know yeah. and you don't get to just only put out the stuff that you want because there's it's a big machine, right? Even in corporate world, you're forced to have timelines. So, you know, being yes. able in a place where, like Paul Harris is a great example. He could never create another thing for as long as he lived and be okay. But that frees him up to only create the stuff he, he wants to create and not the stuff he has to create. So yes. that's a big, a big lesson I've learned over the years is to try and quality over quantity, basically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Good, very good. And here's a, a different avenue here. What, uh, but 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 along the same line, since this all this is all about creativity and making, what um, maker maker techniques would you say uh, you are best at? Maker techniques. That's a yeah. Good question. Um, because um, 
I don't know. I, I don't know really anything about the backstory of, let's just say, Pyro, for instance. Was that something where you had the idea and you had other people help you collaborating, other people with different skill sets to make the finished product, or was it just you on the whole thing the whole way through? So that's good question. And I think the easiest answer as far as what I'm best at is resourcefulness, right? So um, if I want to get something done, I'm going to find a way to make it happen. And I don't know how to uh, do electronics. I don't know how to solder electronic units together. I don't know how to do remote controls. Uh, I sure as heck don't know how to mold things and stuff like that. But I have enough knowledge in enough areas that I can either delegate things out Yes. Um, or use my resourcefulness to say, here's the idea. How do I, in the least expensive way possible, get that idea to a concept, a, a prototype, and then from that prototype, bring it to market? Because those are all very important things if we're creating to sell to other people. And I think my biggest skill is that sort of resourcefulness. Um, Pyro is a great example. I had the idea, and there are things that existed already. So mm -hmm. I took a bunch of the things that existed already and made a very detailed video and brief, right? A creative brief and sent that to some prototypers. One piece of advice, anyone trying to create, which I'm sure you know, anytime you do that, make sure an NDA is signed, a non-disclosure agreement. You may think this person's your best friend and I have seen it firsthand yep. where friendships are ruined because there wasn't the clear communication before a project started. And that is a that is a bad way to start any project. Yes. Y just yes and more yes. And it was a, a long way to say resourcefulness, I think, is my, is my strong suit. No, that's good. That's good. I, I think, I think uh, a, lot of, a lot of creative or artistic people lack resourcefulness. Um, it's something that I was not good at early on because I wanted to do everything myself. And you quickly realize, wow. or maybe... maybe why do you think that? Why did why do you think that you wanted that? Because um, I, I hear that a lot from a lot of my creative friends is that, no, I just wanted to do it all myself and they end up slowing their process. What do you think it is about maybe creatives in general where it's like, or is it magicians? Is it magicians being um, nervous that if we help have other people help that they'll you know, take it? What, what do you think it is that made you want to do it all yourself? Both. So the first answer for me was that I was under the impression, I was under the, the, mind, the limiting mindset that <clears throat> I was the only one that knew how to get that project done in the best way. So let me just do it myself because if I start asking other people, it's gonna just waste my time because then I have mm -hmm. to explain everything to them. And sometimes that's actually the case. That's why uh, delegation is, I think, an art because you can waste a lot of time if you're trying to delegate to the wrong people. Absolutely. Right? Or if you're not clear in what you're trying to delegate. Yes. Yeah. So you delegate an electronics problem to, um, you know, uh, uh, a quilter. And it's like if you had a quilt, quilting pattern, they could rock it out. But electronics, they don't know what they're doing and it's just yeah. going to waste time. But they might be your good friend, but it doesn't matter. They don't know what they're doing. So. Yeah. That's part one and part two, as far as the magic and the secrecy and the, I, I hate to say, I mean, the, the, the truth of the matter is it's very hard to find people, at least in the magic industry, that you can trust that won't rip off your ideas because you've seen it, I've seen it. It's so easy in magic and there's very little repercussions 
for ripping off people's ideas because ideas, although they can be copyrighted and patented, you still can't prevent anybody from doing what they want with them. I mean, that's why um, I'm sure, you know, you as a creator, your some of your uh, best-selling products, you you go for a record run a couple months down the road, you go, hey, in all these other countries, you have the the thing with your cover art and your whatever slapped all over it. And then you look at it and it's a piece of crap product because people are knocking it off. They, Pyro is the perfect example. There were multiple Chinese companies that took all of it, marketed, I mean, everything, right? Which illusionist spends thousands of dollars. Have you seen the trailer for Pyro? Peter McKinnon did that. And that guy Peter is, is like National Geographic style. Exactly, exactly yeah. right. And that's, the good side of that is that's the stuff we can get taken down and claim and stuff. But I, I saw it, Pyro's 150 bucks. I know how much it costs to make. That's a fair price for what it costs to make that thing. It's safe, it's reliable. So these guys come out with 18, $19 versions using all of it. So of course I buy it. I'm going, if they can sell this for $19 and make a profit, I need to find out who these people are and start using them as prototypers. Well, come to find out it is nothing like Pyro and it's an extremely dangerous unit which now they're using illusionist in my face to advertise an outrageously dangerous product. And it's like, you can't, what are you gonna do? Go to China and fight them in Chinese court? Good luck. Nope, nope. I talked to friends that have had, well, here's an example. Um, You know who Rocco is, right? Of course, yeah. Delights, okay, so Rocco and I have been working on some stuff together and he told me his whole Delight story. And basically the summary was, they got a, he got a patent that lasted for, I think if I'm correct, 20 something years. Patents are 20 years, yeah. Yeah, tw- 20, 20 years, it was a lot of money for that patent. And, yep. but to get an international patent is even more. And then even at that, he said, and I've talked to lawyers about this, good luck, good luck going to China, good luck going to whatever, because all their rules and laws are different. Exactly right. You're kind of limited by the amount of continuous money that you're gonna be pouring into lawsuit after lawsuit and problem after problem that you're probably not gonna solve. And let's just say you do, somebody else is gonna crop up and do something else. And it's just like, how many bugs can you sit there and squash? Then it takes away from your own creativity and your mental bandwidth. Floating deck back there? Yeah, so beautiful. It's called Phantom Display, um, beautiful. and I put that out with Illusionist. It's an Erdnay's book, and inside of that is the electromagnet, and it floats it. Super cool. Beautiful. We sold a bunch of them. And the way the woman whose husband owns that patent does it, because I went to China, and there's a whole bunch of Air, uh, Alibaba places that do floating displays. I wrote a bunch of them. Again, going back to that clarity and brief. A lot of the prototypers that I use are out of China, which means English is their second or third language. Sure. So clarity in your brief is talking to them like they're 10 years old. And it's not disrespectful. It's for clarity purpose. But I sent a bunch of briefs out saying what I wanted. I got a company that said we can do it. They did it. It was great. We sold it on Illusionist. It blew up. Everyone loved it. Then I got an email from this lady that said, hey, that's my husband's patent. Um, Oops. Oh, well, we didn't make it. We buy it from a Chinese company. And she said, great, we don't care. Anyone who sells my husband's patent in the United States, making money in the US, they go after. So they don't Oops. care about China overseas. They just focus solely on sales in the US, which Rocco could have done as well. Any company that's selling products in the US is infringing on his patent. So you don't need an international lawyer. You need your patent lawyer. and 
it's going to be a full-time job, especially for something like D-Lights. But then every single company, that's all this, this guy's wife did, was track down people who were selling this illegally. It's a full-time job to do that. But she's making bank off other people's commissions because they're breaking the law in the U.S. And she says, keep selling it. By all means, that's a great device. We'll take 37% of all sales for the next five years. We want our back sales. So there's ways around it, but it is... You know, it's one of those things where, you know, a magic trick has about a six month shelf life. And if it's a bestseller, good luck trying to compete with China after that six months. And these days it's more like three months. I mean, they're knocking things off so quickly. It's like, you might as well not put the thing out, you know, but again, I'm still a believer in, and we're putting these things out to make it better for other people. So if it's ripped off, if you're doing it for the money, you're probably not getting your best creative endeavor. You have to excuse me. My dogs are freaking out because UPS is here, so I apologize. In That's okay. Ladies and gentlemen, those are his attack chihuahuas. <laughs> exactly right. In the back. I know exactly he's, right. he's got these very ferocious, evil chihuahuas. They're not evil. They are uh, They're very cute. Uh, the pictures that I've seen of them, and uh, they're, they're nipping at his legs. They are, uh, they are definitely my attack dogs. You know, they'll, they'll scare you away, but if you come in the house, they'll just pee all over themselves. So. <laughs> <laughs> you open the door expecting a Doberman and then you look down. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, we've got an appetizer instead. Yeah. Squash. Okay, cool, man. No, that's all good. I mean, this is live. This is good. Live is live. Um, what, uh, what maker techniques are you excited about learning this year, if any? Or are you just happy with the way you're rolling and just got a, in a flow? Of... I'm a huge advocate on always be learning, right? Um, yeah. If you're not learning something new every day. In my opinion, you're wasting part of that day. So I'm just being turned on to vacuum sealing and vacuum oh. forming. Okay. Uh, there's a Kickstarter project with a vacuum form machine that's pretty reasonably priced. Huh. There's a whole bunch of really cool stuff. And uh, huh. that could speed up a lot of sort of the mold making prototyping stuff that I've never played with. And uh, I'm excited to start dipping my toe in there. Okay, okay, that's great. Uh, what is, I think you've already answered this, the favorite thing, prop, gimmick you've designed recently, that was, you'd probably say the, um, the emergent, the fire alarm card yeah, box thing? Uh, no, it's, it's a different one, but I'm not oh, gonna okay. touch too much on that yet. That'll be out soon. It's a, my, I'll put it this way, it's my version of Ash on Palm. Okay, okay. Using some, uh, we came out at, at uh, Volpine with this thing called Genesis System, which is a new way of using thermochromatic ink. Yes, yes, I've out. seen. It's pretty wild. So I've we're, seen, uh, but for, for the people that are just listening, uh, I'll let you just briefly describe the effect. Here's a, in, in the, well, I can't do it here, but basically one okay. of the projects we're doing with thermochromatic ink is, I call it Shoulder of Giants, and it's a poster of all the greats in magic, you mm. know, Vernon, Marlowe, uh, Doug Henning, uh, everyone you could imagine, Tom Sini and company, and yeah. they're all sitting at a table playing cards. Okay. And then this is in a picture frame, and there's a little wand coming out of two arms in the picture frame. So when you lift the wand up and tap the painting, I'll show you what happens. Um, okay. We reveal what's going on, right? We're sort of pulling the covers back on the secret of magic. So. Oh, he's lighting it up right here. Oh, lift it up just a touch. Uh, there we go. Oh, very cool. 
So the idea is simply um, it's thermochromatic ink, but used in a formula. Uh, the formula is what the hardest part and then printing it out. But basically we're using the ink for appearing. It used to always be a magic friction pen. You'd write something, you'd heat it yes. up. Yes. And it goes away. And that's away. what this is. But we're, you know, the heating panel is hidden into the picture frame. So this is like a desk work of art type thing. Whereas the Genesis system as a whole is pulling something out that's blank and having that magically appear. Mm. So we've sort of reversed friction ink and now it's an appearance as opposed to a disappearance. And we've mixed that with some really cool printing procedures we came up with um, and came up with, with help from a friend who really kind of mastered this. And there's a, it's the tip of the iceberg, but my, it's called Voodooist and it's my ash on palm, but it uses that special ink as well as some really cool um, methods of, of doing the, the dirty work. So doing I'm the really, thing. Cool, man. Really excited about that. Just in, in the reactions it gets. I mean, you know, double cross ash on palm, that kind of thing is it's hard to beat. So I'm uh, really excited about that. one. There's a reason why the classics remain the classics. Exactly right. Exactly it doesn't matter what version you do, just any take on it, I think is very powerful because the main concept is just hard for, for your audience to grasp. Just, it's very powerful. So, uh, yeah. And you gotta think, we, we've got hundreds of years of people probably a lot smarter than us whittling down what makes a classic. And now we get to stand here with all of this knowledge going, all these greats have come before us and here's the 15 that they all say are the best. So. You know, you've got to put a lot of weight on that. I'm not sure a lot of the younger magicians do, um, but that's fine. They, you grow into that, right? Like, like we all do. Yeah, and it just leaves more more room for growth for us <laughs> who exactly. want to who want to you know dabble in it. It's like, oh, you're going to ignore that. Okay, fine. That's my game now. <laughs> and then that that turns into opportunity for education as well, right? Because we invent or or put our take on a classic, then people who may not have ever stumbled upon that. If you do your diligence and you're teaching, you can say, hey, this stems from so-and-so. You should do your research here, there, and there. And yes. it's a good way to educate people that, you know, looking back over the past is how we invent the future, you know? Yes. Speaking of the past, actually, what would be, um, maybe it was the earbuds or maybe you have something even more specific. I was going to ask, what would be the favorite prop thing, gimmick design that you made in the past? Your favorite thing that you made from the past? Um, I have two answers for that. One is decibel because it was one of the best selling magic tricks and highest grossing magic tricks of all time. It made really, yeah. We, I mean, I can't say the, the numbers, but, um, it made more money than, uh, it came for me at the right time where I needed to solidify my, my place at illusionist and have a home run. And it was beyond a home run. So I like that, but I'll, you know, Pyro is not something I perform. I, in my keynote speeches, I use it to explain creativity and innovation. I don't do it in strolling and stuff. Um, but the one that I really was proud of because of the process to get there, which was about a three and a half year process is decibel. Decibel is a way of um, going to somebody with headphones and saying, think of your favorite song. They think of their favorite song, you show your hands empty and you hold just the tip of their headphone cord. Oh, head. yes, yes, yes. And that song they're thinking of starts Beautiful. Playing. That's probably my favorite um, to date of the past, just because the reactions you get, you know, the almost everybody knows the first song they memorized every word to. Sure. So bring them back to that. Oh, yeah. Nostalgic 
beautiful moment, right? We fell in love with these songs for a reason. And now we get to bring these people back to that moment in a magical way. So that's probably my favorite of the past. Destiny. It's a huge emotional connection. Yep. Music, abs music and smell. Um, you know, th there's nothing more powerful for your emotions, in my opinion, than that song that makes your hair stand up or a smell that brings you back to your childhood. Mm, very. That, that's a great way to tap into all that. Check out magicians if you're watching or listening to this podcast check out decibel please it will make i'm sorry you can't it's out of oh that's a horrible plug for it because oh. it's not available anymore oh um, okay well i can cut it out. i can cut out what no, i know it's fine D check it out the trailer's still there the trailer uh, goes into i mean you'll you'll see why i love it so much but you just can't purchase it anymore oh okay okay Adam, Adam couldn't stand magicians doing it wrong he just had to say i want this oh you know stuff. what in all honesty it's because of these because nobody has wired headphones anymore. Everybody uh, has wireless headphones. Yes. Well, that's the next. That's your next creative challenge, isn't it, Adam? To got something in mind, and it's not. It's not by chance. I believe the universe puts things. It's not by chance. My daughter said a cool thing to do would be eat these. So there's definitely some stuff coming for uh, wireless headphones for sure. Your your daughter is, and your kids just in general, they're adorable. By the way, I've been following. Yeah, good looking you know, that you, he, Adam, for, for those of you who don't know, Adam posts occasionally pictures or videos of, of his kids helping him out, either packaging stuff up for Volpine Industries, his, uh, your new company there where you're releasing magic effects, and, and his daughter is just a character, whether it's shooting a BB gun, which I've seen. Yeah. He's teaching yeah. her how to shoot a BB gun. He's taught her how to do some magic with some cards. I saw that throwing it up in the air and... Yeah. And uh, man, she's gonna she's gonna be something when she when she grows up. How, how are you gonna handle that one, Adam? I have you know I don't want to think about that until I have to. But <laughs> I, I think as long as you raise them to know their worth, right? Raise them yep. to know what their value is, and that they should never settle for less. You gotta let nature take its course after that. Love them and tell them that they're secure and they're safe, and and let them know their worth, and then hope that uh, hope that the world takes care of the rest. I, I think I think she seems to be very independent and she uh, yeah will have a good firecracker. firecracker yes you can well, see all the gray in my beard here that's not by chance that's for sure <laughs> that, that's that's from from getting too close to the fire let's just yes. say right yes gotcha gotcha you don't want to burn your eyebrows off next so uh, what what would you consider your biggest DIY fail of all time and and um, without, I guess, revealing methods or wh whatever you're comfortable with sharing. A lot of people have funny stories when it comes to this. Um, it's okay. It's a funny story because um, it's sort of a success story after the fact. But I Okay, no, that's good. That's really good. Actually, it's right here. So I invented this thing called a fiddle stick. Um, it was right at the time. This is a great example of inventing something to make money. And remember, Fidget was blew up a couple yeah. years ago, right? Came out of nowhere, her patent ran out, and it just exploded. Yeah. Um, so I invented this as that jump on this on this craze, the and it's cool. It's a cool little thing, and a, and it's a neat toy, and I do use it all the time. But it was a huge bust, and we spent a boatload at Illusionist, and. Uh, you know, it was like, I had to kind of fight some of the guys and be like, no, we should put this out. I, I feel it's going to work. And it just didn't. It was a huge flop. Um, 
it, it was late to the market. The craze has ended. It was just a master disaster. And I spent a lot of time and energy and, and meetings and trying to convince people. It and, looks uh, really nice. <laughs> it's cool. I mean, if you like fidget toys, you know, the, the big innovation was I put a loop on it so you could flip it around like keys. Uh -huh. And it, it was neat, but timing was off. So that was my one of my worst things that, that I've invented and actually put to market. Um, you know, I don't, I don't ever consider something in the prototype phase or idea phase as a failure. So right. I don't think I have that. I think my biggest failure was this until, <laughs> you know, this year, Brad messaged me and said, dude, Fiddlestick's doing really well. So, you know, sometimes you just have to sit, it's three years later, but sometimes you just have to sit on things till they, uh, Oh, okay. so it, it's technically kind of coming back a little bit then. Yeah, yeah. It's been uh, slowly gaining. Now they dropped the price. They're not making any money off it, I don't think, because they okay. dropped the price to the point where it's very inexpensive. It's like 10 bucks to get one of these. Okay. So um, maybe it's not a success in that in that fashion, but at least it's not sitting in the illusionist warehouse causing them uh, rent and inventory space, you know? I was just going to say, at least it's moving. Exactly. <laughs> It's moving. And I, I'll be honest. I mean, people, I've gotten half a dozen emails from people that have thanked me for this. Some guy was autistic and it really helped him focus. Uh, another guy had severe ADD. Um, a few people have reached out and just been like, dude, thank you for inventing. One guy was stopping smoking and he was like, dude, I couldn't have done it without this thing. So again, you know, sometimes our biggest failures are still inspiration or, or um, you know, products that can help other people. Yes, and I don't think all together, all in all, when you look at the whole thing, I don't think it was a failure because I think when you get stories like that and hear those things and read those emails, to me, that just factors into your whole quotient of the pie chart, you know, getting inspiration, getting motivational feedback from people. And I think that's probably the most useful thing that's happened from from the pen, Absolutely. which yeah. then feeds into your larger line of successes and things that you're feel more comfortable with. So it, it helps in the, Absolutely. It, it's probably, it's probably a, it's a psychological boost <laughs> to keep you and, on the right track. Everything's a lesson, right? Yeah. I mean, learning about timing of product releases and um, being late to a trend and all those yep. things. So it's, it's just development for future releases. I just got lucky that it it somehow gained some steam after the fact, which is cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, that's good. That's good. The um, oh, what what inspired you to be uh, a maker or an inventor? I don't know if we already touched on that. Earbuds. That was earbuds. I mean, honestly, I never even okay. thought twice about it until uh, Illusionist said we want to buy this, and I was like, whoa, hold on. Wait, I can do this too, and that that set a fire that just hasn't gone out. Who? inspired you to be a maker? If there was any person or people that you want to acknowledge, recognize, if you think of off the top of your head. I mean, I have the people I look up to that, that inspire me. Um, there's, you know, Paul Harris, David Regal, um, Tommy Wonder, Bill, Bill Malone. You know, there's the people that I look at and, and frame what I do or what I love around. David Williamson's mm. little pieces of all of them and try and, you know, um, pick what works for me. So the people that really inspire me are the ones that have put out a, a large catalog of magic that's very diverse in what it is. It's not all cards. It's not all stand-up and um, have a personality that matches, you know, where it's, um, you know, somebody that you, they say, if you want to be good on stage, you, you want the audience to want to have a beer with you after the show. And I think all the people I kind of look up to in one way or another are so intriguing that it's like, you know what? I just want to yeah. 
all the names that you mentioned are very intriguing. Yeah. People, just a person. They're, they're rich people. They're not exactly. shallow people. It's once you start talking, you go, wow, it's not just what I know them for. It's all this other yep. interesting stuff. Exactly. And what I know them for comes from all of who they really are, you know, coming through in their products. So like Paul's the most eccentric, creative, yeah. kind-hearted, hippied out, just cool dude. And look at all this magic. That's exactly what it is. So, um, yeah, you know, I like people that inspire and then usually their products follow suit. It's like or a this, reflection of who they are. Exactly. You can't fake awesome, you know? <laughs> Yeah, you either are or you aren't. Yeah. <laughs> Period. Exactly. It's, yeah, it's not authentic. Authenticity is very, very hard to fake. Even, even the, the, the people who haven't been out there, even if they're not street smart, you can just kind of tell. It's just like, what's wrong with this dude? Yeah. What's wrong with this chick? They're not authentic. Yeah. <laughs> is, is there anybody in particular besides magic that you look up to perhaps in the maker space? when it has nothing to do with magic and has to do with uh, building things. Sure. Mark Rober on his YouTube channel is amazing. Um, there's a guy named Steady Crafton on YouTube. And I mean, as far as inspiration, again, just do yourself a favor and check out Steady Crafton, the craft man on YouTube. I'll put a uh, link to that. It'll be it's awesome. Here. I mean, th those kind of people that are doing it for the love of doing it um, inspire me. Uh, a lot of, a lot of YouTube stuff. There's a guy in it called Marlon Bates and all he does is make fishing lures. Um, you know, these are all things that I'm probably not going to use in my magic, but I've taken bits and pieces from all of them in yes. prototyping phases and stuff like that. And you can tell they're doing it because they love doing it. And that's what I, that's what excites me, right? You can see their passion behind it. So. Totally, totally. And this just, I, I was listening. Am, am I, am I dreaming or is that guy who makes fishing lures his last name actually Bates? <laughs> I don't know if his last name's Bates. His YouTube channel is called, no, I think it's called, uh, Marlin might be his last name. But his, oh, okay, because I'm gonna say if he... <laughs> No, his yeah. company's Marlin Bates. That's, uh, that's the name of his company. I was gonna say, that's like the perfect last name for a guy who develops fishing lures. <laughs> right, right. Um, no, I, don't, I actually don't even know his name, but he's, he's fun to watch and he's a super creative guy that's really perfected what he does, um, which is, taking wood and turning it into fishing lures. Okay, yeah, yeah, and it's, oh, it's always a good, just as a general concept, just to kind of summarize what we've been talking about here, Adam has constantly mentioned the importance of looking outside. We've talked about it multiple times so far, looking outside of whatever industry that you're in and getting inspiration outside Absolutely. of that because it's so easy to get locked in that, whatever that frame is, of whatever industry you're in. And then you forget all the other beautiful possibilities that are actually out there. I mean, that's creativity, right? Is connecting things that normally aren't connected. And connecting if all you do is live, eat and breathe magic, well, that's pretty connected. Um, but if you step outside of that and start dabbling in something else, you're gonna take things that, that cross over and you can use to both. So it's, you learn as much about as much as you can um, don't be a master of them all because you don't have that kind of time, but learn enough about them that you can at least get ideas from them. Um, yes. That's that learning every day, right? Be inspired to learn something new every day and see where that leads you. And it's yes. cliche, but it's, it's sad. I mean, not everyone does that. You, you think, well, of course, people learn something new every day. It's not. It's not no. the case. I, I would venture to guess that most people don't learn something new every day. Most people are creatures of habit. 
Most people like regularity. Um, but what we're saying, me and Adam are saying, make that learning something a part of your habit. Just exactly add right. that to your habits, and it's a healthy habit you can add that'll make you a better person, a better creator, yep. and just uh, a, a richer life in general. And it's easy. Instead of a binge flicks, uh, a Netflix binge, you know, spend it that hour looking on YouTube. On do just type in DYI on YouTube and spend an hour a day doing that, and you'd be surprised what you come up with. Totally. DIY Perks is another good channel. Yep. British guy. Yep. That stuff that he does, oh, I mean, it's like, I, I watch it just to, just to admire, first of all, the video <laughs> that he does is pro. Yeah. And then the project that he does, he pulls together, like, it's usually very cheap materials, which is proof that, again, and I've said it in past episodes, it's not the painter. I'm sorry, it's not the paintbrushes that make the painter. It's not the piano that makes the pianist or the musician. It's always just your know-how and your passion and your willingness to, to learn. And you could take cheap stuff and turn it into a beautiful thing, just like DIY perks, just like any smart person like Adam who's, who's in the prototyping process all the time. You're just looking around, being open to all the possibilities, and then you're pulling in all these resources, making yep. something beautiful. A great app that, that I highly recommend is called IdeaPad. Um, ah. So you'll see the little orange app there, IdeaPad. Uh -huh. And it is just the, the user... It's this, it's the most simple thing you can imagine. You can voice memo, so you're gonna categorize. So I'll do, you know, personal development might be a title. Uh, magic ideas might be a title, marketing ideas. And as quick as you can, you hit it, record the idea. And then every month, usually on the, between the first and fifth of the month, I go through, reread them, delete the ones that I don't love and just keep doing that. And mm. I mean, if, it'd be nice to carry a notebook and pen or, and pad around but it's it's just not practical for me so having right. that on my phone is i mean the last 20 projects i've created have all started as an idea and idea pad oh that's good that's a that's a secret that's worth the price of admission to making magic folks idea pad it's simple is it free i believe or it's three bucks or something like that it's it's very inexpensive again it is very simple it's not pretty it's not flashy but that's why I like it. I hit it, I record, and I go back. Done. Yeah. Done. IdeaPad. Check it out. I'll put a little thing here below. So yeah, I mean, we talked about IdeaPad, which is an amazing thing that just lets you get your ideas down really quick and easy. Are there any other um, resources that you'd recommend? If there's anybody out there interested in learning more about any of these type of creative skills that we've discussed. You would uh, yeah, a, a couple great books, uh, John Cleese on creativity. Um, there are, I mean, there's a boatload of books on creativity. So really learning about creativity. I, I've got a book on creativity that you can get for free. So um, actually we can offer that to any listeners if you want. We can, I'll work with you and just getting them a PDF download of it. But the oh. whole thing is live a more creative life. But then just YouTube, right? I mean, anything you would ever want to know is on YouTube. <laughs> Pretty much. So go to the highest viewed count one so you know you're not looking at garbage. And um, that's usually a good filter on, on what the better videos are. So I never knew about 3D printing. Um, I got a 3D printer. My dad was kind enough to buy me. And uh, I learned how to do a little bit on... on Thanks, Dad. You know, just enough for me. Right. And uh, it, it's all from YouTube. 
YouTube's a big one. I also look at Kickstarter a lot and see mm. what, like design. If you go to design and tech, there's some really cool idea sparks in there. Pinterest is a godsend for me. Um, Pinterest, mm. type in anything you're interested in. So right now I'm working on a new display. I want a, a Volpine display. Okay. So if you go to Pinterest, I'm typing in levitation, uh, electromagnet, uh, cool display, optical illusion display. And you just get this bright, I mean, a, a bunch of first they're just images and then you can click to go to the page. So Pinterest mm. is for me. Um, and then lastly is it's a silly thing, but I use it all the time when I'm working and trying to get into a creative state is called Coffativity. And Coffativity is a website that sounds like you're at a coffee shop with murmuring in the background. So you could go to Paris and have murmuring coffee shop in Paris. And it's huh. a really cool way to zone out, throw your headphones huh. in. Okay, okay. Fine with music, you can get into a groove, but a lot of times music is very influential, right? So yes. you sad songs, maybe you're sad. So um, if I'm really in that, all right, muscle down and get creative brainstorm, I'll go to coffeeativity and just zone out. And it sounds silly, but the, it's extremely effective, at least for me. Well, I, I know it's effective for you because you're, you're an audio first kind of guy. That's your preferred modality. And uh, people can need to be aware of what their preferred, what their best way of learning and, and what the best senses that they can cater to. Some people are more visual, you're more, I'm pretty heavily on the audio side myself. I listen to music all the time. Um, if, if I have zero music on, like while I'm trying to like clean up around here or f file stuff, I feel like anxious. Like, what do I do? Where do I start? It's like, and, and, then, and then I start like looking around, like I start freaking out. And when I put on music, I'm like, I Where's start... my life soundtrack? It seems to have gone off. Yeah, no, I hear yeah. you. Yeah, I hear you. I'm, I'm the same way. So that, but that's a new one I never heard. So it's like a virtual coffee shop. That's kind of where it's really you do. Cool. It's really, really cool. And, and they put some science behind why it works and all that. But the, the free version, it, you get like three different coffee shops you can go to. It's a online, you just go to coffeeativity.com and it's there and played in the background. It's pretty cool. And they've advanced it from when I first uh, found out about it like five years ago. But it's, uh, you know, again, music is extremely beneficial. And most of the time I create, I'll put on that, whatever the mood I want my audience member to feel, right? If it's a mysterious effect, I might mm -hmm. put on something like Dermot Kennedy. If it's an uplifting, like, powerful ace assembly, then I might put something on like outcast, something upbeat, you know? So a lot of that music is, is inspiration, but there are times where I'm like, you know what? I don't want to be influenced by any words whatsoever. Neutral. Neutral. Wow. That was fascinating. That was very uh, educational. I, I learned a whole heck of a lot. Like I said, I mean, some of the things towards the end here that we discussed is, is worth more than the price of admission. And it should get you guys very much in the creative mindset. Adam, it's been a blast having you. And before Likewise, we go, before we go, where can viewers and listeners find out more about you? Sure. So the easiest, if they want to get a hold of me, is just info at adamwilbert.com. Look at you getting fancy, saving me the extra post-production work. Man, look at that stream deck going on. I've been doing a lot of virtual shows, and that stream deck is uh, a lifesaver. So, um, But that's the email you can reach me at if you want to contact me directly. But then also, we have uh, volpinecreations.com, and that is my new magic company with my partner, Felix. Felix has a master's degree in innovation. 
He lives in Austria and is one of the most intelligent, creative guys I've ever met. And uh, our partnership blossomed out of uh, natural occurrences, which were awesome. So we've got some really cool and exciting things planned over the next 12 months. And anything I put out uh, of my own will be Volpine, which is really exciting because it's there's nobody saying yes or no except me and my partner, which is a new creative freedom I've never had. So really, really excited. A um, couple other things, you can just check me out on Instagram or Facebook. It's just Adam Wilbur. I am taking a, a, a mental health break from social media for quite some time. I'll Good for you. Most people need that. Most people don't even know that's a thing and they wonder why their life is so screwed up. <laughs> yep. Why they're sad or why they lack creativity. Um, for me, it really is about I'm a, I'm an alcoholic personally. So I have this very addictive brain um, and this very uh, self-centered brain. It's a, it's a, it's a disease I got to deal with, but it also, I'm very, I'm very um, cautious of me comparing myself because I'll see close friends of mine and they'll do something successful. And my first gut instinct is, damn it. That's a little less success for me. And I hate that, but I, I'd be lying if I said it wasn't true. So I've been overwhelmed with um, magic on social media and it's inhibited my creativity. So I'm taking a break from it, Good. plus all the negativity that goes behind social media, but a yep. um, uh, creative break. And I try and do it once or twice a year, take a month or so off and really sit down and get creative with no, like I won't watch magic for a month. I won't watch anyone's performance. That's I won't good. watch us. Exactly. Sometimes you need it. You know, we're, Absolutely. We see so much magic that we feel like, I say we, I'm speaking personally. Sure. I see so much that it's very hard for me to say, um, this will work for me. Because if I see someone else do a variation of something, my brain will go, no, I don't like that. So it's not going to play. Or all my audience has seen all this. You got to keep in mind, most people have seen one, maybe two professional magicians in their whole life. Yeah. Because we're surrounded by magicians, we can we assume the whole world has seen a bunch of magic. So, um, taking a break there anyway. But you can find me on social medias as well. But really, just keep an eye on um, uh, Volpine Creations. Sign up to our newsletter. We'll give you some free downloads and stuff like that. And um, within the next six months, we have five or six really really awesome things uh, coming out. So, and then I'm doing a penguin lecture. I'm not sure when this podcast will will hit everybody, but I'm doing a penguin lecture right now is about the first week of April. I'm going to be uh, filming the lecture in mid April and it will air probably um, sometime in May. So that should be cool too. I'm pretty excited about that. It's going to be mostly new material on there. Ah, and the good news with the penguin lectures is even after it airs, whenever it comes out, it's, it's locked on the site. And yep. so if people search for Adam Wilbur, they can find that in the Adam Wilbur section. Exactly right. Yeah, you got it. Good. Great. Well, this was just, like I said, so much, so, so many goodies, so many things to ponder here, so much to think about that Adam has given us, not only with his time, but his knowledge and his life experience being a performer, an inventor, and a speaker. And uh, yeah, thanks again for joining us to my podcast, Making Magic. If you've enjoyed the interview, if you enjoy this series of interviews, feel free to subscribe by clicking the red button down below. You guys know what to do. Like this video, th give it a thumbs up, turn on the notification bell, if, or if you're just listening to the sound of our lovely voices on like Spotify or any of those podcast apps, feel free to follow the podcast, Making 
Magic with Sean Jay. I'm just all about inspiring others by interviewing the movers, the shakers, the visionaries, and the makers. And you happen to fall into that category, Adam, and I really appreciate you joining me. And I thank you thank all you, for you. watching and listening. And that's Making Magic, and we'll see you guys in the next one.